Hi, Gemstones, and welcome to another episode of Blurg. Blurg! It's after six, and we're dressed to the nines because the episode is black tie, and we're not farmers. Throwback! <laughs> it's party time at 30 Rock, and there is much to celebrate. We've got Paul Rubens, Isabella Rossellini, Tracy and Kenneth as human personifications of the immortal concepts of good and evil. It's a madcap romp from start to finish, and your trusty Blurg team is here to react and recap. So let's do this! What is this, Horseville? Because I am surrounded by naysayers. We are lovers. Oh, that word bums me out. Unless it's between the words meat and pizza. Live every week like a shock week. Yes, dear. Wait, who's crying? Is it Caleb? What's up, Pete? Okay, I'll try. Yeah. Elmo wants you to aim your pee-pee at the party. <laughs> no, not at mommy. At the party. How is that Elmo's fault? Did mommy have some wine before she called Elmo? Click. Uh, pee, 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 pee. Where's your spinal cord, son? So this is a great episode where we love, 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 love. Oh, my God. This is the head and the hair in this one are the ones that I constantly come back to from season one. Although rewatching this with you, I realize how good the season actually is. I know. What if we're wrong? What if the other seasons <laughs> aren't this good? And as we go forward, we're like, crap, season one was the balls. It was the tips. Yeah. It was we should have watched the whole time. Maybe it's just because Tina Fey assumed that this show was not going to last past the first season. Uh, evidently, during the production of this episode, she sort of like lovingly, sarcastically, self-defeatingly called it Goodbye America because she thought the concept of this episode was too much and people weren't going to respond to it. And she was just like, all right, we shot ourselves in the foot. It's over. Um, a mentality that both of us really respond to. Yes. Just now, this. I would like to see if you can do an Elmo impression with your voice like <laughs> Pete Hornsberger as we... Hornberger, not Hornsberger. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I could do it as well as Hornberger or Hornsberger. Or Hornsberger. But I would just like to see you try. Uh, okay. God, the fucking pressure. It's Elmo! <laughs> aim your penis at the party! Not at mommy! The party! Did mommy have some wine before she called Elmo? <laughs> Perfect. See, that was amazing. It's just so mean of you to do these things to me when I can't visit a medical facility because I'm pretty <laughs> sure I just like ruptured my vocal cords and something like that. It's amazing sound is still coming out of there since it's already been ruptured. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I skipped all the Yo Mama jokes. Which is like a very good context for where we are at in the world time-wise. It is 2000 seven at this point i'm assuming maybe we're still in 2006 because it's midway through the uh 2006 season but your mama joke still still a fun thing that we're doing josh's is terrible about the uh your mama is so stupid she thinks imac is a new burger at mcdonald's that's not i mean to be fair anything that josh says it has to be genius for us to give it any credit when he, he got hit with bad. yeah probably but when he got hit with the fire extinguisher by white diamonds that was he was good at that he's funny when he's getting attacked yeah <laughs> i don't know that it speaks time. well for him <laughs> we are becoming horrible bullies before we watch the show we're just becoming liz lemons um which is we were already so close anyway i would never say anything about dropping a load in someone like that is disgusting that 
that made it into the final episode, but did not make it to syndication because it was like on the line of graphic. They're evidently super shocked that it actually made it into the episode. As am I, because just like, oh, Blurry. scandal, blur. It's <laughs> <laughs> so, or like whatever. What a cute evening to spend with your mom. It's like as long as it's consensual, go for it, kids. Can you explain to me what, what Alex Alec Baldwin is always doing with his hair? Like he's not flipping it because there isn't any of it. But when he talks, you can see he's like moving his head or something when he comes over to talk to her about going to the black tie event for uh, Gerhard Habsburg's birthday. He's, he's just sort of ticking at her. It's so cute and endearing. I just like it so much. Well, his hair is his head suit. And so I think it's very important for him to showcase how thick and luscious it is. Like a silverback gorilla's mane. It is thick and luscious. He's a bear. He's a daddy bear. He's a daddy bear. And so he is to showcase that um, by showing how immovable his hair is too, because Hair movement is a sign of weakness, and so he needs to show that no matter how much he fidgets and jitters, it's staying in place. That and episode is far, far away, but it's so good. Everything he does is delightful. And I yeah, no, it's, just, it's myself. I pull this, and then I do this, and I do that. I love that episode. <laughs> it's so good. It, so Liz tells her offensive low joke, and then Jack gets there, and it's so embarrassing. She doesn't seem embarrassed, but whenever Jack catches her in those moments, like the one-minute sexy dance to Chameleon Air, she never yeah. seems to have like the level of embarrassment that I mean I would die if Jack Donaghy heard me telling this joke about a load and that's what your sister said last night like I would die and she's just yeah. like I don't care I feel like, like it further I feel like it further underscores the fact that they're just like a very platonic relationship something that we'll continue to explore throughout this episode just how friendship based they are because they she doesn't care it's like goofing around with one of her bros but I think it's the boss component that's the hardest thing like my boss walked in and her, my boss is my sister I would still feel like <laughs> Be awkward about it. V. So then, of course, he invites her to Gerhard Habsburg's birthday party. Of course, I had to look that up and see if that was real, and it was. The Habsburg family did rule Austria, so. Yeah, there's <laughs> so much inbred. See, I, unfortunately, did not go to college for theater tech, and I went for history. I did not complete it, but I got enough um, to work in a restaurant and do this podcast. So I knew about the Habsburgs and the Habsburg chin is like a huge thing because there's so much inbreeding. The chin just got massive and askew and they couldn't eat. It was just like a genetic cesspool. So it makes sense that Gerhardt would come from that, that lineage. Well, it's just another moment that I share with Liz when he's like offering her to go to this, the ball of the year. And she's like, do I have to wear high heeled shoes? And you're like, oh, nah. <laughs> I'm with you. Like, do I have to leave the house? This one's terrible. And then she's like, I'll do it, but I'm not I'm not gonna like it. Soon. I do I appreciate any show that can just casually mention the defenestration of Prague. That feels like a cute moment. It's just like, all right, history. Bring it back. These are I was like, I don't know what these mean, but I know that they happened. So then we head into the C story of Tracy Jordan and What's his the B story. I think the B story is Isabella Rossellini and Tina Fey. You think that's a C story? I think they're all A's. Well, plus Jenna and Hatsburg and Gerhard. Yeah. yeah, I think it's, I mean, I love them all. I will say the least entertaining story is the whole will he, won't he cheat on his fucking wife bit. Right, but shock and surprise, I actually like Jenna Maroney in this entire episode. Ah! We did it! Wow. <laughs> I think because she just gets to be her, you know? Yeah. She just, just gets to be Jenna. Oh, take me, take me! You know, you're like, you're not involved in this at all. That's Cinderella's blonde. Yes. Oh you could be Snow White, play with the little people. <laughs> um, so you finally made it to a sensical place. 
and I am. It's not gonna last. Happy. I'm sure it's the writing. I'm sure she's such a good actress that they write it so that you just hate her. But in this episode, I didn't hate her. And for some reason, when she says to them towards the end, "We got a boogie," it cracks me up. So funny. That's I, I use that why. so often. We got a boogie gang, and no one ever fucking gets it, which is great because it makes me seem hilarious. But yeah, just like we got a boogie gang. So we don't really need to talk about Pete, Tracy Jordan, who no. brings strength, blah, blah, Samson, Delilah, nonsense. <laughs> so now we're in the wardrobe department because Jack's sending her down there to wear something appropriate. She's got to dress on backwards, of course. <laughs> She's trying to dress like a human woman, and it's quite <laughs> difficult for her. So we're down in wardrobe trying to dress this backwards. Jenna's there. She wants to go to the party. Take me. And- <laughs> I'll be part of it because she's Cinderella, and it's her dream. So then Jack comes in and seems actually excited by Tina in a dress or Liz Lemon in a dress and then attempts the pretty woman moment of opening up the uh, box of jewelry and then snapping her little fingers and it doesn't go as planned. (laughs) Why does she do that? Why would you Uh, do that to somebody? (laughs) I think, yeah, I think she said, I love all of her um, just exclamations. Like she says jag a lot. I don't know if she says jag or dag, but it was something like that. And she was like, who does that? Like, that's not a move. That's not a moment. Further lampooning all these fucking tropes that exist in movies and television shows, turning them on their head and making them seem super nonsensical. It's so we sidebar and talk about how problematic pretty woman is. And then I rewatched it knowing what it was. And I still really liked it. And it just doesn't fit with the rest of me at all. You know, I still, she's so lovable. I don't care that she's a prostitute. The Jason Alexander stuff is just as annoying as you guys have seen pretty woman, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he gives her the <laughs> necklace and they go to the opera and it's so romantic. You're like, she's a prostitute. This is really problematic. I don't, they got killed. This is bad. I still loved it. Loved it. The magic of Julia Roberts. <laughs> I guess. So, um, we began this sort of like joking, will they, won't they with, or continue rather with Liz and Jack and it's squashed pretty much immediately. The beautiful thing is there are never moments where you actually as a viewer think, oh, I wish this happened differently. They keep it super lighthearted and absurd that this is always just like making us realize and fully feel that this is not a romantic relationship. Because me, when I grew up, like I was fully aware that Will was a homosexual and Grace was a heterosexual woman. But I was like, it's a TV show. They can write them together. They deserve to be together. They get along so well. So I've always been someone to be like, just put them together. It's a TV show. Make it happen. Um, But I never felt that with Liz and Jack because the show does such a good job of making them seem like just pals. Well, even though this is like my 30th time watching this episode, I'd never noticed before when they arrive at the ball that she's wearing like a green face <laughs> and hands it to the coach person. It's like a green North face. You're just like, that's hilarious. I've never seen, I love when I see new things or when I'm really paying attention now, you know, yep. and, and he tries to help her down the stairs and she's like, I've got it. I'm like, why? Just take his arm, walk downstairs. <laughs> has to be the so independent woman. Yes. <laughs> The girl Lemon. playing on the football team when she gets older. <laughs> Whenever Liz Lemon looks so fucking attractive, which she does often in the show, she always has to lampoon it with like, I'm going to be ridiculous and I'm going to be like, careful, careful, coming down a grand balcony instead of entering well, also, like Cinderella. terrifying to walk in those heels in that dress in, that, in front of that crowd. <laughs> That's fair. She's obviously corseted to the gods. I mean, mm-hmm. she is like a zero in that outfit. You're like, geez, Louise. Wait, well, WW really worked out for her. That's how you watch hers. That's Did she it. do WW? She still does. Yeah. Oh, great. Good for her. 
I need I need to do some WW. I'm tiny dancer. And then um so we didn't mention that Jenna said, I think this is a date and tried to plant that seed in Liz's head. She hadn't had that thought yet. Yeah. So then when Jack goes to make a toast, what should we toast to? And he says to us, she's like, wait a minute, is this a date? She doesn't have that moment. It's like immediate reaction. She's like, is this a date? Like to us, like barely a breath, barely a beat. Is this a date? And then Jack just goes into (laughs) hilarious guffaws at the mere concept of such diametrically opposed social citizens engaging. Socialites, models, actresses, Liz Hurley in the 90s. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. Thought this was a date. (laughs) (laughs) Idiot. Her, Uh, Her. Those two, <laughs> that guy's daughter in the summer. Wes, good to see you, man. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah. So we're adding it because we knew Maureen Dowd and we knew Condoleezza Rice. And now the um, the rich Rolodex of dating history of Jack Donaghy continues to be fleshed out in a really gross, fleshy way. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Because <laughs> we hear a lot about all the people who banged. I know, and he's still so lovable. I mean, typically, like a super good-looking guy talking about all the women in the room he nailed, you would want to punch him in the nuts. But you're just like, oh. <laughs> it does help that um, his one true love, someone who was age-appropriate, who divorced the incomparable Isabella Rosalini, plays his ex-wife, dumped him, and so that's sort of the backstory is that he's unable to fully emotionally connect or commit to someone because he was left and now he just has flings he knows won't actually materialize into anything. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me for trying to make a comment. So Bianca comes in. Oh my gosh. So what do you what are your memories of Isabella Rossellini like from your just from a different generation than I am. So do you know her from like Blue Velvet and from like the Lancome campaign or what, how do you know Isabella or Selene or do you just know she's this beautiful person? Yeah, I know her from this episode. Okay, really? No, I like, I... It's totally possible. She is not like a major anything now. I know her name. Like it's one of the names you grew up knowing, just Isabella Rossellini. First of all, it's a fantastic name and it, it just like slips off the tongue so elegantly. Uh, but I don't really have a major cinematic moment that I associate her with besides 30 Rock. Because I was like, I was 15 you know when this from aired. that episode of Friends? I think I oh, Isabel only know her because kid. of that yeah. episode of Friends. <laughs> oh my God, fuck it. It's when, so you know Ross and Rachel? Yes. So Ross and Rachel, are. it was when they were together the first time or whatever. But they had just gotten together and they were talking about their hall pass celebrities. Like who mm-hmm. and Ross, the top of his list. Or was it the bottom? Isabella Rossellini was a person he was going to put at number five and he was going back and forth. He really wanted to be very intentional with this list of hall passes. <laughs> so, And then he ends up not putting Isabella Rossellini. Then he gets it laminated without her on it. And then she walks into the coffee shop that they hang out in. <laughs> and uh, he hits on her as successfully as you would imagine by trying to pull out, <laughs> like by trying to tell the story about how she's actually his hall pass, but like he made the last minute decision and she's looking at it. It's like, I'm not on this list. And he's like, but you are, you were. And she's like, well, it's laminated. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. That's, that's the only thing I've seen her in <laughs> for me. So she's Ingrid Bergman's daughter. Right. And so she's like Hollywood. That's royalty. right. Yes. And then she was the face of Lancome. So I just knew her as this very 
serious, very educated. She's very into taking care of animals. She was in Blue Velvet, totally bizarre David Lynch film. Mm -hmm. But she's just always been this epitome of class, like sort of the Audrey Hepburn of our time. So then to see her attacking Liz Lemon, (laughs) I mean, I'm glad you guys liked it as much as you did, but it's so incredible to have it be her because you're just like, whoa, what? (laughs) She's doing it. She got fired from like one face campaign and then another company was like, no, she's the most beautiful woman in the world. We don't care how old she is. And she is. So, but that, so we haven't even gotten there yet, but we meet Bianca and she comes over with her fiance to meet Vincent. She seems says, very on brand when we first meet her. Yes. And, and <laughs> poor Liz is so embarrassing. She's drinking <laughs> champagne with like her dirty napkin all scuffled up. And he's like, this is my living girlfriend, Lemon. She's like, Elizabeth. He takes away her drinking champagne, and then the next thing you know, a tray of puffs comes, and she just fists one. You know, she doesn't wait for. <laughs> Embarrassing, Liz. Relatable content. You only go to a party it. where fisting is on the menu. Oh. That's my. <laughs> <laughs> I only did that for like the disappointment, um, and I got it, and I feel it, and now it's painful. Um, so then she says, "We met at a Big Brother Little Sister event," which <laughs> is hilarious. Um, and that he used to date Beyonce as well. And then later, he, she also divulges that she dated, he dated Shakira as well. So I do wonder because the song Beautiful Liar featuring Beyonce and Shakira about a cheating man came out contemporaneously with this episode. Is that based on Jack Donaghy? Is that song inspired by Jack Donaghy? Is he the you're so vain of this Obviously. moment? Musically? Obviously. Yes. Am I excited about this? Absolutely. Yes. Does it sound it? <laughs> A hundred percent. Is this super dangerously close to my Elmo voice? I'm slipping. <laughs> but it isn't just Shakira. She says the Shakira, which makes the it Shakira. great. Yeah. I, it doesn't matter about the Rockettes and the something else and the Shakiras. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I know we have just met, but I think I love you. Do you love me? Knowing I have the love of a beautiful woman has set me free. I think you just lost an eyebrow. To freedom! To us. Thank you, dear Jenna. And goodbye. Goodbye? Why goodbye? Who let him drink champagne? He could not metabolize the grapes. Someone call Dr. Spachemin. Uh-oh. I think she pulled out a chunk of my hair. They were. Oh, yeah. We got a boogie gang. Mein Damen und Herren. The Habsburg line has ended. You can pick up your gift bags. It's a cut check. So then Jenna is sitting alone. And Jenna, by the way, got herself in using her sensuality by showing (laughs) one boob to the security guard. This isn't the White House, for God's sake. (laughs) Her boobs are sufficient. You just need need a handful. A little side boob, honestly, is all I need, really. It's It's the most attractive. Side boob is the new tennis in this podcast. Uh, (laughs) 
I'm going to sexuality is fluid. And during quarantine, <laughs> evidently, I'm exploring all the different facets of me. So we're then introduced to Will Forte, <laughs> who will come back later as yes. a Jenna Stan and a Jenna impersonator and a Jenna lover. Spoiler alert. Oh, that's, a, that's a many, many seasons away, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Buckle up. For now, he's just the royal assistant who uh, presents Habsburg, who is an exceptionally long title, all of which are like real things. So if terribly you haven't seen the episode, Pee Wee Herman, Paul Rubens is dressed up and he's sitting in a chair that like his lower body is covered. So he has his legs made out of wood and a tiny little arm and his eyebrows are falling off and he's pasting his terrible teeth and he likes to talk loud. <laughs> so Gerhard Patsburg is just like every genetic abnormality that one could have because of incestuous relations. Um, Thousands and, of years of incestuous breeding. And man, um, first of all, I love that his eyebrows are one collective entity and not individual hairs. And they can just <laughs> like completely slough off as like a snake shedding its skin. That's cute. Now, is that what that was? Or did they glue those eyebrows onto him for dinner so he looked not as sickly? Oh, probably Oh, not. that's probably so back to Bianca and Liz, that's a cute moment. I do love this trope, though, where an unlikely friendship or someone who's always viewed as sort of like downcast or not of the same level suddenly gets pushed into that position and fucking nails it. And it's just like, oh, wow, you see me? Little chrysalis, little flap, 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 butterfly. Boom. Here I am. Came to win. I love that energy where it's just like, oh, my snarky personality that you cast aside is now the hit of the fucking show. Wild wild how much come through me. yeah so then they go to the bathroom and jenna starts talking to liz about how the prince wants her to eat with him and maybe she could do it and she could overlook his looks and she always reminded herself of grace kelly <laughs> <laughs> um and then she basically is doing what i'm doing all the time which is just having a conversation with herself where everyone oh else is just at pieces <laughs> it's the best it's just the best she said, I'm not going to be gorgeous forever and have no other skills whatsoever. And you're like, yeah, no shit, Jenna. But she says, I can get past this looks. And Liz is like, since when? She's like, I'm an actress. She's like, you're right, Liz. I should go for it. She's like, you're not even listening. She's like, poop, monkey butt. She's like, no, you're a good friend. <laughs> How many of us have been in those situations? Raise your hand. In that situation with Nick today, right? I'm just kidding. No, seriously. Like, honestly, I see that it's happened um, very infrequently to me because you both are much more accommodating and will just allow things to happen organically, um, even if you're not super into it. I don't possess that capacity and I'll immediately be like, um, I'm just confused as to why we're not listening to me <laughs> right now. Um, we are I'm always great. listening to you. Always. No, just like in general. But I do love that moment where she was just like, it, it'll be the greatest role of all time, which lends itself to the fact that Jenna legitimately thinks that she is constantly being filmed. It's sort of like a Truman Show thing. And she even later petitions for the Tony Awards to recognize her life as a constant dramatic role, like living your life dramatically. So her every she has no authentic part of her and everything she does in performance. And like queen, fucking queen. Love it. She's amazing in this episode. I'll give her this episode. That was my volley to have you admit that she's fucking. I, fo I followed your lead. I did what you wanted me to backwards and in heels. Even harder. <laughs> I mean, you make me harder than I ever thought possible. So. Oh, so let's head back to more disgusting sexual innuendos in Pete's office. Uh, now, highlight yep. wise, 
it's disgusting. But my favorite line in this scene is the secret touchings lady is like, Hornberger, your name sounds Jewish. You must be important. <laughs> <laughs> and as one of the chosen people, I do love that so much. <laughs> I love it so much. But other than that, I can't stand any of this. We find out a hundred years from now, Tracy's never cheated on his wife. You know, he just goes to these sex right. clubs for fun, whatever. So I don't, this whole scene, I don't, I don't know what this is about, but I really do not, do not. I mean, it. the only line that I extracted from her, I love the part where he's like, um, just randomly making up war stories where it's like, we were in desert storm and he killed 14 Germans. Yeah, and the waitress is <laughs> like, I'm out, they're lying. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, but yeah. Did you ever I mean, see secret touchings? I was a scientist in that. Like, is it because everything else is so wonderful that this is so terrible or is it just terrible? I'm going to vote just terrible. I mean, there's a couple of funny moments coming up. It's just not a fun premise. (laughs) When they volley back and forth between lick her face and think of God. (laughs) For the most part, I'm like, (laughs) go back to the party. But it does get you really excited to go back to the party and see what's happening there. So, yeah, it's sort of like it's a counter. It's, you know, we have so much energy at the party and we have to have cut away maybe to appreciate it that much more. And we also have to include two main characters. So. That's how we're doing it. You got that giant boombox, and immediately Tracy takes his shirt off and starts dancing. <laughs> Gotta love him. So now uh, Gerhard Habsburg wants to dance with Jenna, or he wants to talk to <laughs> Jenna, but sadly because his body does not create joy fluid, I cannot dance. <laughs> so let's list his ailments real quick. So he doesn't have eyebrows, uh, or potentially does, and they all just fall off in unison. Um, he has a, metabolize the grapes. <laughs> he can't metabolize grapes. He's got a hella pallid complexion. One of his hands is tiny and glass, um, but he still wears matching rings. We appreciate a boy who can accessorize. Inability to block candles. <laughs> Low lung capacity. Real rough there. Capacity, yes. uh, marionette legs, I think, is the official yes. <laughs> diagnosis. Yes. And then he also is 25, but um, looks closer to 50. Uh, closer to 80. He is closer old. to 100 years old. Yeah. But could live to 100. Right. Either die to the doctors. <laughs> who <laughs> let all this also, happen. It's Dr. Spitchemin. So. Oh, doctors. I know. Oh, you hate. So then Jenna decides to dance for him and he starts yelling out different <laughs> I don't know if that was her choice. <laughs> she wants to become princess. She will do what she's told by Gail. Oh, wait, Hopper. you're right, you're right, you're right, right. She, uh, she suggested she they dance. dance. And yeah, he yeah. Says he can't because he has no fluid and he got <laughs> So he yells out, Jazz, Top, Jitterbug, Justin, Interpretive, Twelve, Again. <laughs> Nick is doing all these things for us right now. I do find myself telling when I tell kids or anyone that we're dancing with to twirl, and I'm like, <laughs> Again, Twelve. Then we end up back at Pete's office where another great line, everyone thinks I'm 5'5", but I'm only 5'4". If you believe in yourself, there is no limit to what you can accomplish. You can literally grow. John McEnroe, speaking of, was like 5'11 forever and was like, no, I I like willed myself to be six feet. I did stretches. And I was like, all right, John McEnroe. I'll do them right now. Stretch them right now. Kenneth comes in to talk about Footloose and how the terrible kids. <laughs> and, and I love when people flip things on their head like that. And you're like, those evil kill children, kids wanting to dance. <laughs> they defied the law. Kenneth says, you're going to make a mistake tonight. And Tracy says, you're going to make, a, make mistake a mistake tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
we do learn a lot of interesting things about Pete's lineage um, and his relationship with Paula. Now we know another one of their kids' names. We got Kyle and Caleb. I don't know if Caleb is spelled with a K and they're doing like a little Kardashian thing. Um, who knows? Don't really care that much. In uh, that he was married in a botanical garden. Uh, Remember the vows you made in church. Botanical, uh, botanical garden. <laughs> <laughs> Where you promised fidelity. Lick her face. Think of God. Um, and then he's like, I'm trying to have fun for the first time in 10 years, which was just like brutal. It's just like, here's the person who feels trapped. Here's another dude who feels trapped in his idyllic life with a loving wife and kids. And he's just like, I haven't had fun in years. And it's like, fuck you. He's just got that dark energy. He might be Jewish like my people. Like, you know, he's like, oh, look, a free thing in the vending machine. And then his arm gets stuck in there and he misses the end of Milf Island. Like, that's just the life he leaves. It's just it's the chosen life. It's just the Hornberger way. So back to Gerhardt's birthday, and they all start singing him in German. Which is like a consistent trope, because Tina Fey speaks German, knows German. A lot of her sides are German, <laughs> like her wild, crazy times when she studied abroad. Look at all the different types of ravens. <laughs> and then we find out that Gerhardt is 25. <laughs> Jenna's like, oh my god. Uh, but still into it. Like she's, she's game. She's ready to go down with the ship. Um, and you have to appreciate that commitment with her. It's like she's not just like panning for gold in the river she's digging she is full on digging and she has to excavate a lot of unfortunate land to get to her prize and her prize is turning 25 and, and continuing the Habsburg line because it may end here tonight forever Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> yes if you're halfway through this episode and are listening to this podcast spoiler alert I just ruined the ending <laughs> Who was more Frank. exciting for you to see? Was it Paul Rubens or Isabella Rossellini? I think it's what makes this such a knockout episode. They're both so great. Yeah. They're both over the top. I mean, Pee Wee, Paul Rubens is, you just never know what he's going to do. But that character's so fun and so over the top. But uh, coming up is, I think, the best scene when Isabella Rossellini attacks Tina Fey. And that is yeah. so funny. She says, are you going to marry him? And Tina Fey's like, well, we've talked about it, which is totally not true. And then he's going to get her pregnant with a late-in-life baby he can drag around Nantucket and show off. The whole thing makes you want to throw up. <laughs> Bottles, the rocket tips, the Shakira. The whole thing makes you want to sit on a knife. That's pretty intense. <laughs> ah! Well, no wonder she didn't keep up with her sexuality. I know, right? She's into some kinky fucking shit. So now Tina gets to go over, or Tina, sorry. Liz gets to go over and tell Jack that Bianca is not actually happy. She's not normal, and she is not over you. He's like, no way. And she's like, yeah, he was actually, she was actually jealous of me and busted out crying over it. He's like, like, that's not possible. And she says, I'm going to go over and tell her that you proposed. Watch this. Watch how red her face gets. That's what she thinks is going to happen. But what happens, Nick? So I don't know how you can assume that someone who just said that they would sit on a knife rather than <laughs> see their ex-lover get married is going to respond with just like, mild face flushing um yep. that seems optimistic on her part and she doesn't seem like she has a whole wealth of positivity so that was a wild place for her to go where she actually went was across the room when isabella rossellini vaulted her took down her top <laughs> ripped out her actual hair and then broke off a champagne bottle before we cut to jack who just looks mildly bemused the timing of that scene, the sound effects that both of them make, it is just hilarious. Oh, oh, oh. 
And then you're like, oh my God, Tina Fey's not working around. It's terrifying. Oh my God. And Jack at no point is like, first of all, there are a lot of ways he could go. He could be like super excited about this moment. He could be horrified and try to help his friend who has done nothing but nut up and pretend to be his paramour. Or he could do the following. Huh. I don't know know if that's true though, because he says to her after he introduces her to Bianca and she starts grabbing the puff and talking about the brother sister thing, like, well, thanks for not making me look stupid. You know, thanks for not embarrassing yeah. me, which she totally does. She, there are other times when he's like really down on himself and she just continues to beat him up. Yeah. It's not nice. Liz Lemon. I don't know what that's like. And this is like one of the few parts of his life that you see a humanity. That's what I'm finding about this first season. There's so much more humanity to it where as we get, like the characters become more caricatures, which is still amazing and funny, but this is still sort of rooted in like, let's develop these relationships and let's see where they are in the beginning. And we have this moment where Jack concedes that he was left and now he doesn't quite know how to love again. And it's like, all right. But then they immediately go into something super absurd. So it's just like the human aspect still accounts for like 1% of the total content, but uh, it's still there, which isn't the case later on as much. Makes him so lovable and attractive. So while this is happening, Jenna and Gerhardt are getting ever closer, and Gerhardt asks if uh, Jenna loves her. Remember, she just says, mm-hmm. <laughs> "That's right." <laughs> uh, I remember his lines: "The love of a woman has set me free." And he loses his eyebrow. It does feel like he was cursed by some witch, and now constant like he has to live like Beauty and the Beast almost. Like he's had so much incest that now he's cursed to live in this like body. Um, <laughs> yeah, so he kills himself. Uh, because he has the love of a beautiful woman, Jenna, who's like, yeah, she's fine. I don't know if she's killing herself over, but she did dance. Very, that dance sequence was quite stunning. <laughs> and then the Will Forte comes over and he's like, who lets them have champagne? His body cannot metabolize the crepes. <laughs> so Someone called Dr. Spachan. Forgot about that part. Um, first of all, your German accent is exceptional. Yeah. Did we have you try the Amo accent? I feel like you should. I can't get that high. I have lots of low tones, but not very many high tones. I have no woo. <laughs> Were you a woo girl growing up? <clears throat> no, but I try. Like you go see a show or something, you want to be like woo, and I have to give a lowered moan, like a woo. <laughs> mostly I yell out yes, yes is my big loud. Y'all squeal like big yes. Um, so that's when we get your uh, favorite line, where we got a boogie gang, we got to get out of here. Um, which like, I can think of many applications for that because it's just so fun, but there's really no better time to use it than after you've killed a prince, thus ending a dynasty. But you can pick up your gift bags at Kotchek. I know. I know. (laughs) He tries to put the eyebrow back on. Oh, good party. Sorry, your friend died. Honestly, like. One of the better, I know, yeah. One of the better parties. There was action. There was excitement. There was declared love. There was rage. There was burgeoning romances. There was the immediate death of that romance. There was implied nudity, not full frontal, just partial. Because again, it's not the White House. We have an amazing dramatic stare situation. I shouldn't end on the boring thing, should I? <laughs> she was on yes, some stairs. <laughs> Like, whatever, well, we have man. to close out the Pete and Tracy storyline where he's gonna like make out with him in the bathroom, make out with her in the bathroom because she's so smooth. And Tracy and Kenneth are up in the rafters talking to him about being faithful, and he's blah, blah, blah. and he decides he loves his wife, 
she's not a Delilah and he's not going to do this. Um, but that was a really fun scene where it was like the only thing that I liked of that storyline yes. when they both were coming out of the vents with a super heavy handed biblical message of just like illuminated red and white and just like angel devil on his shoulders. Um, and then Tracy actually doesn't know how he got there. <laughs> Someone's tickling his feet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was the only moment that I actually super enjoyed, honestly. Except for the, your name sounds Jewish. You must be smart. That was cute, too. You're right. That was cute, too. Um, and then Jack and- takes her home. She's got her green fleece in her hand still, which is hilarious. And then he just, like, lets himself in the apartment. I thought that was odd. I mean, it's very just, like, elite where I belong everywhere. So you can't actually tell me what to do or where to go because I own the world. If anyone ever picked up my Spanx, once again, punched in the testicles. Not yep. cool. These are bike shorts, Lemon. But yeah, <laughs> I already brought up the best line of that scene, which is, thanks for the great night. Sorry, your friend. Sorry, your friend. <laughs> and then that's good. Goes, Go ahead. Well, that's what I love about it. Like, there are human moments, but it's mostly just like complete disregard for humanity. It's like, you know, bummer about the death. It'd be hilarious if she was digging through the gift bag at the same time and found something <laughs> exciting and immediately was just like, Ooh, like snacks. a toaster. Yeah. <laughs> or like oh, let's be honest. Liz Lemon would not have left there without a gift bag because well, we she wanted to get over the part. Yes, too. exactly. Yeah. She's like, well, um, I don't know what you're doing, but they put out lobster tails and I want, I want to eat yours. Yeah. It was a moment of like genuine concern. Seemingly, of like, hey, are you going to come back to the table? Not because I actually want you to. I just really want to, because I'm hungry. Now, what about when Tita or Liz thinks that Jack's going to kiss her when he's going to take off the necklace? That's not unreasonable. He is reaching in in a way that no one ever does. You say, turn around, let me take that off for you. You don't just like go yeah. in for the neck grab from the front side. There's another opportunity to shut the door and be like, hey, this is every will they, won't they immediately shut the door. They're not going to. This is never going to be a romantic relationship and neither of them want it. I date Pilates instructors, acrobats. I had lunch with Martha Stewart and dinner with her daughter, Alexis. Gross. I said the same thing that fucking Liz Lemon did. Gross. That is disgusting. That is disgusting. You literally just plowed the mom and then mere hours later, you do the daughter. Gross. And he's still lovable. This is what's wrong with society. So how many gemstones are you going to give this episode? I mean, I honestly would give it like a 99 or 100 if we could get rid of the Tracy nonsense. So I'm going to go with a 98 because it is – I will watch the two Isabella Rossellini segments a thousand times. I love them so much. 100% agree. Yeah. No, I gave it a 98 as well. And it's just – it's so perfect. Yeah, there are moments – that it doesn't quite hit the mark with the the Tracy moments. But even those, they, they find ways to be lighthearted. That's just not a topic that either of us enjoy. Um, infidelity. So I think we, you know, aren't in the minority. She's like, I've never had sex in a men's bathroom. Well, not, not this one. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I mean, the jokes are still there. It's just an uncomfortable topic. And we're having such a good time at the party. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, this is one of my favorite episodes of all time. Hands like, down. Yeah. I would rank it as number one at the moment of all the episodes we've watched. Beautiful. Yeah. Sliding rankings. Yes. Number yes. one for me at the moment right. as well. And just for shits and giggles, Frank's hat said high score on it earlier. Yes. You know, my, <laughs> my one fact. I got an 8.5 rating on IMDb. What do you people low. want? So low. Exactly. What do you people want from life, from 30 Rock? I mean, come on. <laughs> I really appreciate that this podcast is a good balance of like 
critical, but also mostly just fawning, glowing, loving reviews. <laughs> oh my God, we love it. Right? Yeah. I mean, I love the show. I'm so grateful for it. Yeah, my version of a Yo Mama joke is, Yo Mama's so amazing, she also thinks 30 Rock's the greatest show on earth. So, boom, <laughs> roasted. Blurg is a project of Team Takes, a.k.a. Nick Cotter, Julie Sunderland, and Emma Cotter. With the invaluable sound editing help from Phil Cotter and... Frank! <laughs> the awesome toenails on the wood floor from Frank! <laughs> We love you, Frank.